in the middle of a series entitled Living on a Prayer. And uh, I want to I continue that series. As I do, I, I feel compelled to, to share with you this morning uh, something that's it's really hard for me to say. In fact, I, I've wrestled with it. I've wrestled with whether or not I, I should, should share this, uh, what for some could be uh, disturbing news. But are you ready? I've started reading instruction manuals. I know, I know. Man, I understand that that's, it's difficult for me to even say it, but, but not only have I started reading instruction manuals, you know what else I've done? I've, I've started saving them. Yeah, I've got, I've got a little spot in my toolbox where these instructions, I know, it's shocking. But I've discovered that there's some value in them. They make, they make sense. Because the, the creator knows a little bit more than, than, than I as a casual user, than, than I know or can understand. When I was in eighth grade, I lived with my grandparents and uh, they bought a, we lived in a mobile home in Long Grove, Iowa, and they bought, a, they bought a, one of those metal sheds from Montgomery Wards to, uh, to store the lawnmower and things, things like that. And uh, my uncle and I started putting this thing together. And uh, we got part of the way through and decided that the instructions were pretty stupid. Uh, we could figure this out. I mean, how hard is it? It's, like, it's only like 10,000 pieces. And uh, we got the frame put together and then we decided that we wanted to work on the roof. So we got the roof all set and it looked phenomenal. It really did. So the four corners of the garage were up and the roof was on and it kind of looked like a little kind of gazebo thing. And, uh, and then we decided, well, we should, we should go ahead and put the sides on. And we discovered this. We discovered that the sides were supposed to slide in uh, before the roof went on. And, uh, and so here's what we decided. We decided, well, let's just see if we can, let's see if we can just kind of jam them in, right? And uh, I don't know if you know this, but metal, it bends, right? And it dents. And so the end, my, my grandmother came out and said, Grandma, there's your shed, brand new shed. It's all dented up and beat up. I mean, it looked like it had been through a, looked like it had been through a hurricane. If only we had just paused for a moment and read the instruction manual. This morning, I want to take just a few moments and I want to look at the instruction manual. And I'm convinced of this, just a few moments in the instruction manual and what can happen is this, is God can open up our eyes, our mind and our heart to something that is absolutely life-changing, consistently energizing and always beneficial. I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that for many of us this morning, what God's going to do is God's going to bring us great new understanding that will bring freedom and power into our day. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take and I want you to open up the instruction manual with me and I want you to turn to the area that I believe is this. I believe it's an area of the instruction manual that the title could be troubleshooting. I want you to turn in your Bible to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and, and here's, here's what we find. God, God gives us this, this wonderful and this encouraging word in James chapter 5. It, it tells us this. 
starting in, in verse number 13. It says, is any one of you in trouble? Right? That's troubleshooting, isn't it? Is any one of you in trouble? In those moments where life doesn't seem to be working, in those moments where I've got more questions than answers, in those moments where something is not right physically, in those moments where a relationship has gone sideways, in all those different areas in our life where we would say, trouble, 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 trouble. God's word says, I've got an answer for you. I've got an answer for you. When you find and you're navigating this thing called life and you hit trouble, here's what you ought to do. Is any one of you in trouble, they should pray. Are you happy? Sing songs of praise. Are you sick? Call the elders, have them anoint you with oil. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up, or the Lord will raise her up, and if there is sin that's attached to this, even the sin will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your faults or confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual and fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. God, we thank you so much for your word. We pray that it would speak powerfully to us today and be life-changing both in this moment and in the journey forward. So God, we give this moment to you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Bible says this. It says, is any one of you in trouble, he should pray. And even in this moment, it's not speaking of, of solitary prayer. There's something significant, something that's powerful in this idea that we find woven throughout Scripture, this idea of agreement. In fact, in Matthew 18, when, when it's dealing with issues even of discipline, it says this. It says, where two or more agree together on anything, it shall be done. Over and over, we see this principle throughout Scripture. Right? The wisest man to ever live. Solomon. Solomon wrote this book, Ecclesiastes. And in this book, he starts by saying life is meaningless. He then, he talks about, he says, listen, I tried pleasure, didn't work. I've tried stuff, didn't work. I've tried knowledge, didn't work. I've tried accomplishing great feats, didn't work. He said, I I've tried all those things that naturally we will do, all those things that we think humanly that this is where I'll find significance this is where I'll find joy this is where I'll find identity this is where I'll find purpose this is where life will make sense to me and he says I've, I've tried it all and it doesn't work it's meaningless or vanity vanity it's all vanity and the whole the whole book of Ecclesiastes is basically about how man life is just tough deal with it and yet in the midst of it there's this oasis in the middle right? Where he's saying, vanity, vanity, all is worthless, all is meaningless. And then he says this, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. Two are better than one because if, we, if one lies down by themselves, they're going to be cold, but if they lie down together, they will stay warm. If they're attacked, 
One person might not be able to fend off the intruder, but two will be able to resist the, the, the attack. The wisest man ever lived, who ever lived in the middle of a very negative moment in his life, even in that negative moment, he recognizes, he says, there's something powerful. When I walk in agreement, there's something powerful. Then I, when I walk in partnership, there's something significant when I walk in fellowship or koinonia. And so when we, when we take this principle, this understanding of agreement, and then take it to the troubleshooting section that we find here in James chapter 5, in those moments that are inevitable in life, any of you ever faced a difficult situation? Any of you ever had to navigate through trouble? Anybody ever have a need? Right? All, all of us do. And, and when we find ourselves in those moments, when we find ourselves in those seasons, here's what the Word of God says. It says, come together to pray. I want to offer you a thought this morning. I want to offer you a challenge today. And the thought is this. A critical part of being connected to a church. In fact, one of the significant reasons why church works is this idea of coming together in response to James chapter five. In fact, it is what we commonly refer to as the altar, the altar. This, this place where we come together to pray it is, it is a place of purpose. It's a place of strength. It's a place of power. And yet, for far too many, there is a wall between us and the altar. There's, a, there's an emotional wall between us and the altar. There's a there's a spiritual wall between us and the altar. There's an intellectual wall between us and the altar. And God has brought you here this morning, friend. God has brought you to this place today to speak prophetically into your life, to speak specifically into your situation, and to challenge you that the altar is not the place for the desperate. The altar is not the place simply for the destitute. The altar is where the saint should be found. The altar should not be an occasional occurrence in our life, a place where we go in times of pressure or panic. But the altar should be woven into the very fabric of who we are in a regular part of our spiritual journey. Because God's word says this, are you in trouble? Go to the altar. Are you happy? Go to the altar. Are you sick? Go to the altar. Are you dealing with issues in your life? Go to the altar. God's word says, over and over and over again, the answer is found in the altar. Confess your faults. 
Confess those issues, those challenges you're facing. Confess them to one another and pray for one another. Now, here's, here's the mistake that we will, we, will, we will listen to the enemy and we'll buy into. You know what? I don't have to go and tell somebody else about my issue. Isn't it fascinating that we love to try to rewrite the instruction manual? Right? We have a better, we have a better way. We have a, we have a better plan. And yet, God's word is clear on this. It's abundantly clear on this. Well, yeah, but the, the Bible says, confess, my Bible says confess your faults. It doesn't say that I have to confess my sins. I'm going to let you know on a secret. Are you ready? You might want to write this down. Your faults are your sins. Your sins are your faults. They're one and the same. What sin means is this. Sin doesn't mean that you've done something horribly bad. Okay? Now, if you've done something horribly, horribly bad, it's definitely sin. Make no mistake. Okay? But sin is not necessarily something bad. Sin means anything that's outside of God's perfect will. So I can actually do something good and be in sin. Have you, ever, have you ever done something good and it all falls apart? <laughs> you go, well, I, I thought I was doing a good thing. That idea, no good deed goes unpunished. See, uh, a good thing is not always the right thing. And a good thing sometimes is not necessarily that good thing. is not necessarily uh, a God thing. And so because we are imperfect people, because we are imperfect people, Trouble is a reality. Because we live in an imperfect world, sickness is part of the experience. Because we are part of a sin culture, difficulty is going to be woven into the journey. And God's answer for that, according to James chapter 5, is this idea of coming together to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to pray for one another. See, praying together, the altar matters, and the altar matters because of this. It matters because it unifies us with other believers. We see examples throughout Scripture. Some of those most prominent are recorded in the book, book of Acts, right? The, the, the apostles placed tremendous importance on praying together. Having that ministry time together. When we, when we come together and we pray together, what it does, it connects us with the purposes of Christ. And when we pray together, it, it actually it demonstrates our unity as believers and it proclaims Christ to the world. And so this idea of coming together for prayer, James, James chapter 5, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's what, here's what, here's what, here's what we discover when we, when we connect in agreeing prayer. Here's what we experience when we come to the altar. Number one, we experience a release of God's power. It, it tells us this. It tells us that that when, it says, is any one of you sick, let him call the elders, anoint them with oil. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Every Sunday, every Sunday, miracles happen 
at this altar every Sunday. Every Sunday, somebody receives a physical healing in their body, pretty much without exception. Every Sunday, a life is restored. Every Sunday, peace comes into a troubled situation. Every Sunday, miracles happen. And, and where we experience the power and presence of God, truthfully, more than anywhere else, and, and, there, and there are some, there are some, there are some um, there are some natural reasons for this and there are some spiritual reasons for this, but where we experience the power of God more than anywhere else is when we, in faith and in expectation, when we come to the altar. Can I ask you a personal question this morning? Would you like to experience more of God's power in your life? If your answer to that on any level is yes, I want to challenge you to make your way to an altar. Make your way to an altar. I would offer, it's the reason why it's so important, and I love, in fact, we, we, have, we have a ton of people that even right now are watching this via our live stream, via Facebook Live. Uh, there, there, there are scores of people that will watch this on Good Life 45, and, and I love the fact that we can provide ministry uh, to those who can't be here physically on a Sunday morning. And I believe this, I believe it's a good ministry and I believe it's a worthwhile ministry, but it is not the same. It is not the same because I don't care, I don't care how good that, that minister is, I don't care how anointed that TV preacher is, they cannot replicate the altar. That, that idea of coming together of laying hands on one another and praying for one another. The altar, it releases God's power. The other thing that it does is it positions us in a place where we see relationship with God restored. It tells us this, if they have sins, they will be forgiven. It renews our connection with others. And God did not design you to live life alone. God did not design you to do this journey by yourself. You know, there are over 30 commandments in the New Testament that you cannot fulfill outside of active relationship with a church family. And this is one in James chapter five. Therefore, confess your faults, confess your sins to one another. Now, friend, this doesn't mean that you come up to the stage and you say, let me share with you all of my deep, darkest secrets. That's probably a little unhealthy. It does say this though. To those who have proven themselves to be trustworthy. And what you'll find here at Calvary is you'll find that the folks that we have come and stand up here on Sunday mornings, these are folks that have proven themselves to be trustworthy. They've been through it. They, their collective testimony is amazing. They know what it's like to face financial despair. They've been, to that, they've been in that place where somebody who they loved and, and, and said they would live the rest of their life with has decided that they weren't going to love them back. They've walked through a difficult doctor's diagnosis. They've, they've experienced hardship and loss. And they've seen the life-changing power of Jesus Christ step in to each one of those situations 
and bring victory, bring provision, bring restoration, bring peace, bring renewal, bring protection, bring hope, bring everything that's needed for life and godliness. They've been down that road and they can stand here and testify that God has an answer for you. And that answer, friend, it's found at the altar. It's found at the altar. It's found at the altar. The other thing that happens when we, when we come to the altar, it realigns our priorities. It realigns our priorities. God, this is not about me. This is not about my identity. It's, it's not about any of that. God, your, your word says this. It says that if I, if I humble myself, that he who humbles himself will be exalted and he who exalts himself will be humbled. We recognize from James chapter five that, that there are some key elements to agreeing prayer. The first is this, it, it, it must be faith-filled. God says this, he says believe, e e even saving prayer, believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. As you believe, so shall you receive. James 5.15, the prayer offered in faith, in faith, in faith. Faith, what is faith? Faith is having the knowledge of God that leads to an understanding that he keeps every one of his promises. Let me say that again. Faith is having the knowledge of God that leads us to the understanding that he keeps every one of his promises. And so God, because you've promised provision, we're standing on that. Because you've promised restoration, we're standing on that. Because you've promised healing, because you've promised hope, because you've promised peace, because you've promised identity, God, we're standing on that. So when we, when we come to God, we come faith-filled. I don't know, I don't know who, specifically who you are, but there are people in this room today that I prayed for you before I got to church this morning. Because I pray, God, let me connect with those whom you want me to connect with at the altar today. God, let the presence of your Holy Spirit be upon me in such a way that I can be a vessel for you to see accomplished whatever you want accomplished in that life. I'm not alone in that. Pastor Manny prayed for you this morning. George prayed for you this morning. Ron prayed for you this morning. We, we prayed for you this morning. Lisa prayed for you this morning. Nancy prayed for you this morning. And, and they, have, they have come today with a sense of expectation 
having a knowledge of both the character of God and the promises of God, they have come to God's house in anticipation of a faith-filled prayer that will bring into your day, into your moment, the peace that you need, the strength that you need, the wisdom that you need, the comfort that you need. And here's here's what happens. When we come into God's house, even in God's house, there's this spiritual warfare that takes place because the enemy wants to build a wall between you and the altar to keep you from experiencing the power of God, keep you from stepping into the presence of God, keep you from walking with the peace of God. See, there's, there's, there's significance in this Agreeing prayer. Faith-filled. Prayer also must be honest. It, it, it must be honest. Therefore, confess your sins. It, it's, uh, we have, we have those moments, right? Where, I don't know if I want to tell you the whole story. I, I need, I have, I have a, I have a need in my life, but it's, it's really not that big of a deal. In reality, it's keeping you up at night. Uh, in reality, it's, it's, it's affected even your, your diet. Uh, it is, it is wreaking havoc on the relationships in your life. In fact, just, God just, just dropped this into my spirit that there's a, there's a man here that you've been dealing for about the last six weeks, you've been dealing with panic attacks. And here's what's going to happen. When it comes time for the altar, here's, here's what you're going to say. That's not that big of a deal. Really, you're, sir, you're having panic attacks. It's not that big of a deal. We have to be honest. When, when, when Jesus has the interaction with the woman at the well, he looks at her and he says, go get your husband. She breathes in real deep. She says this. Yeah, I have no husband. She could have said, eh, no, don't want to. She could have said, eh, my husband's busy, he won't come. She could have offered all kinds of rationalizations, all kinds of fabrications. And yet in that moment, she's honest with Jesus. How about you? Will you be honest with Jesus today? It's not just about being honest with Jesus either. Because the, James chapter 5 doesn't just say that I'm supposed to confess my sins. Oh man, that would be great. It would be great if I could just, like if I could just sit in my chair and just confess my sins. Or even, I, I'm good with coming to the altar, but if I can come to the altar by myself and go over on the side and just like me and God, and I can tell God, okay, God, you already know anyway, but God, here's the stupid stuff I did this week. 
But it says confess your sins to one another. Boy, that's where humility comes in, isn't it? It's humility. It's humility that I I can't stop watching that particular television channel that I know is unhealthy and it's, it's causing my mind to run in some crazy directions. It's, hu- it's humility to admit that, that I've tried to break free of, of this, this addiction to prescription painkillers. But it seems to have me bound. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a drug addict, you're thinking. It started because the, the doctor said I needed to take these things. And now, somehow, somehow this good thing has turned bad and it's controlling me. And I don't want the people at church thinking I'm a mess. God's brought you here this morning to ask you this question. Do you have some challenges in your life? Do you have some trouble you're dealing with? Trouble in your marriage? Trouble in your job? Trouble with your children? You're facing some financial hurdles? Things aren't going well career-wise? You've got a disagreement with a neighbor. God's brought you here this morning to tell you that the answer to that trouble is the altar. Are you you dealing with some, some physical challenges? You've got a you got a doctor's diagnosis that's got you on edge. You got, a, you got a, a chronic deal that just won't seem to go away. God's brought you here today to say, the answer is found at the altar. You need wisdom for a situation that you're facing, the altar. I just have this hurdle that I can't get over. It's the altar. Let me close with this. On this, I, I'm going I'm to go from preaching to meddling. I'm just going to. I'm just going to lay this out there. If you've not come to the altar in more than a month. It's probably been too long. In fact, I, I made this statement to the pastors this morning in our, in our pastor's prayer time. I asked the pastors this question. When was the last time you came to the altar not to pray for someone, but to be prayed for? Because I'll let you on a little secret. I regularly need to come to the altar. Now, I use the example of, of being addicted to painkillers. Don't I'm not addicted to painkillers. I'm not taking painkillers. 
okay? Um, and I use the example of a television channel. I'm not watching some unwholesome television channel. Uh, but I do have my, I have, I, have, I, have, I have my issues, right? I find that I get frustrated and I find that I get fatigued. I, I, I've been dealing with this, I've been dealing with this chronic issue with my back that's driving me nuts. You know, the answer is found, it's found at the altar. And there's a, there's a good chunk of folks that are here that you're faithful. You're faithful to church. You love the worship and you appreciate the word, but there's something that happens when it comes time for the altar. There's, there's like this, this wall that is created. And, and God has brought you here th- this morning providentially to tear down that wall.
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.